0: You're listening to a Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. After dinnerments and after dinnerments, the segment is uh, Travel Express. As you know, Muhammad, uh, our Ibraracha, Brian is in Brussels, and Alhamdulillah, our very own uh, Muhammad uh, Yaz Karim has stepped in. Uh, World class, uh, you know, producer. He's also a newsreader. He does a talk show host and so forth. But also, Mashallah, whatever you know. Whenever he comes on the radio, it's a blessing for us to have him. Muhammad Ayaz Karim, rahmatullahi warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. And jazakallah khair for being with us on Travel Express on the program after dinner mins. Uh, tell me how are you doing this fine, beautiful evening? Wa alaikum salam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Uh,
1: it is uh, a beautiful evening, but I have to admit it is so cold. I cannot feel on my face or my hands or my fingers. It is. I I don't. I can't remember the last time I experienced this sort of weather. Uh, in Joburg.
0: Well, uh, Ellis Park uh, Rugby Stadium. You looked at it. Did you see the visuals? It looks like one big white, 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 white uh, sheet. The whole the whole day today, I've been seeing
1: people posting videos all over the social media of snow in Joburg. So it's crazy.
0: No, absolutely. You will think you're staying in London? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, on the on the segment of Travel Express, which is the country that you visited? Uh, in uh, you know, in, 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 you know, in, in, your your, in different travels. Travels. yeah, Look, I've been, I've, I've traveled fairly extensively,
1: uh, sugar, uh my, my parents have always been of, uh, of the mentality that, uh, experiences and, uh, are much more important, uh, in life than, uh, material things. So from a young age, uh, we, are, I've been traveling and I mean, I, I've been for, Ubrah uh, a few times. I've been in for Ramadan Umrah twice. I've been to India a couple of times. I've been to Dubai about five times. have been to Pakistan. I've been to Egypt. I've been to Singapore. I've been to Malaysia. I've been to Australia. I've been to America. I've been to London. I've been to France. I think, yeah, I think that's... And I've been in Africa. I've been to, obviously, Mozambique. I've been to Zambia. I've been to... Yeah, I said Egypt. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, maybe I missed a few, but I think I got 99% of them.
0: No, Alhamdulillah, and, uh, you know, as you went through your travels, you noticed that travels uh, you know, broadens your mind, broadens your horizon. And uh, what are some of your memorable moments uh, that you had during your travels, uh, Muhammad Ayaz? Honestly, Uncle there's so many. I don't think we have the,
1: enough hours to cover it. But I mean, obviously, uh, high uh, right on top of that list is Ramadan Umrah. It's an experience like no other. It's uh, something I can't even. I don't think words can describe the 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 actual uh, feeling of being in uh, Makkah during Ramadan and breaking your fast in the Haram Sharif. You know, with that fresh Kajur and that laban uh, sitting right in, you know with the Kaaba right in front of you. It's uh, it's a feeling like no other. But um, I mean, uh, a distinct memory is also the first time I went to India. It was oh, it was horrific. I uh, I got off the plane and I actually started crying. I wanted to go home. It was so bad because I just it took uh, it was it was a shock for me to like adjust to like the just uh, the 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 poverty, the smell, and the the actual like dilapidation. But then once you uh, realize. Once you like adjust and you get used to it india has was one of the greatest experiences and uh it's like things like that when you when you realize how people are living in this world and how the circumstances that some people are living in, you really start to appreciate what you have and things that we take for granted and it also it makes you more empathetic and more understanding it makes you more open minded uh and less judgmental you know because we tend to live in our bubbles and we Take for granted that people just live like us where ninety nine percent of the time that's really not the case
0: no absolutely, and each village has its their own uh, smell yeah own flavor, <laughs> own cuisine, and uh, maybe the flies too they speak their different languages everywhere you go there.
1: the food the food is uh, is untouchable but uh the, with regards to the, the, the worst part of India for me is the, the, the poverty and the, the deformity is extremely hard for me to deal with it. Because it it, uh, it really brings out a, a visceral response in you, you know? When you actually uh, face it head on and realize that this is what these people are dealing with, it's very hard to, like, uh, you know, to come to terms with it. Because it, it, it it's, it's not okay and it shouldn't be okay. And yet, we live in a world where we have... Two people uh, in America who have the equivalent wealth of 80% of their population. And then we've got people living like this, you know. So it just doesn't make sense to me.
0: And it doesn't make sense. And you see uh, the dumping of food, you know, excess food being dumped into the seas and so forth. And uh, then you find uh, that uh, the price is kept stable. Uh, these same conglomerates, they go to India. You know what they do, uh, Muhammad, they, ask. they buy off the rice fields. And they burn three quarters the uh, the yield. They just burn it so that they can sell that quarter at an inflated price. And this is how evil it is uh, that uh, how, you know, these uh, conglomerates carry on and, uh, you know, a uh, deliberate poverty being created. Because Allah says, uh, Wallahu khayru razakeen. And I, Allah, I am the best of providers. But uh, this is how you find it. And your trip to Egypt. How was it with the hope you didn't go meet CC there? <laughs> look i to, uh, to be completely honest, I went to Egypt many years ago. I think it was two thousand
1: so it was a long time ago uh but i mean uh, my my memories are still really clear uh the the it was, it was it was it was quite a funny thing because my sister broke her leg a day before we left, so she had a huge cast uh all the way up her leg, and we had to travel uh to egypt and we went for Obra right after that uh and she had this huge crutch so it's uh It's a memory I will never forget because it was just so comical, Uh, just, you know, the entire situation.
0: Gee, and Alhamdulillah, and uh, what were the moments uh, that you liked in Egypt? I mean, the pyramid itself is a miracle, uh, how it was built, the construction and so forth. Uh, You know, as a tourist uh, destination, a lot of people talk about Egypt. You know, I feel like uh, Egypt has uh, received a,
1: it uh, has, has is known for tourist destination purely because of the wonders of the world, but I mean, I'm, and I'm not saying this in a negative uh, in a negative way. But Egypt, other than the tourist attractions, is very much so. Uh, I mean, back then, it was uh, very much so like I would consider it very much so a third world country. And I've seen a lot of uh travel uh, influence recently on social media going to Egypt and making very. Uh, Disparaging comments about Egypt, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that mm. they're right, but I mean, it's. I just think it's it's overly glamorized due to the uh, uh due to the pyramids, and I don't think that enough. Uh, like I, I don't think that the uh, government pay. I, I, don't, I don't think there's enough um, attention paid to the just the overall uh, upkeep of Egypt in general, you know. But I mean, it's also it's not even like. A hundred percent fair to say that because at the end of the day, there are many factors that come into play. You have to consider the economy and the and just the overall like there's there's a there's a, there's a many factors to consider. So it's not fair to say that they're not pumping enough money in because maybe there isn't enough money being uh, you know uh, produced. So it's a matter of circumstance.
0: You know, uh, you bring up a very interesting point indeed. That you get these guys go and. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I'm, uh, obviously, they're asking the government for permission uh, of tourism. You know, we're going to do a lovely show on Egypt. But they, they, it, you know, they go and, as you said, the disparaging remarks they make, hey, they say, be careful, they'll charge you double and they'll do this for you and that. And uh, you can't trust an Egyptian. And I mean, generally, even you go to Dubai and if you find an Egyptian salesman coming to you. Uh, why is it that most people are skeptical of them, uh, Mohammed Aya? But you know, in the same breath, I can
1: honestly, and I, I, you know, I don't. If somebody gets offended by this comment, then 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 that is really something I can't help because this was my genuine experience. But when I went to uh, Paris, I was very excited to go to Paris. I feel like it's aesthetically a beautiful place, but I. Uh, I've never had a worse experience with people. So, I mean, throughout my travels in America, Canada, Australia, I was warned beforehand that I was probably going to experience a lot of uh, pro- uh, like uh, uh, racial profiling just due to the fact that I'm a Muslim and I should be prepared for it. And I, to be completely honest, I never really had any uh, encounters that were negative. I was generally treated well and like kindly by most tourists and people even in the airports, i mean in jfk in all these big airports i was fine i was never pulled out of the line or profiled but in us but in france the people are rude they are just they like are visibly uh they they, they show their dislike you visibly it's not even like a, a like a undercover thing they make mm. it very clear that they are not uh they don't want to speak to you, they will not engage with you, and they they make it very clear that they're just not interested in, you know, being near to you. So it's very, like, and I mean, with regards to the scams and stuff, the, the tourist uh, uh, centers in uh, Paris are the biggest places for scams. The, the you People are extremely aggressive with regards to, like, they'll try and sell you something rubbish, and when you say, no, thanks, it's fine, they will literally get aggressive about it. So, I, I just, I don't think it's fair that we always uh, tend to stereotype uh, Middle Eastern or African countries with these like overly uh, zealous, uh, you know, beggars or like hawkers, whereas Europe is very, uh, is, is, is guilty of the exact same thing, if not worse.
0: Yeah, you know, as you talk about, uh, but having a South African passport uh, uh, and uh, going to the Middle Eastern country, that sometimes it's at your benefit and they look at it, you say, oh, do you know me, Africa? I must see that, and then you got uh, five-star treatment. I don't know if you got, had that experience. Uh, That's true. In in uh,
1: in 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 Dubai, uh, generally, when you come with a South African passport, you get treated better. But I mean, you still are not treated on the level of an Arab. So it's, look, it's very uh, it's very it's a commonly known fact that Arabs tend to look down on Indians, Pakistanis, Filipinos. They look at them as less than. But with a South African passport, you get I would say fair treatment. Uh, But I mean, also, like, it doesn't justify the way they do treat people who come directly from India or Pakistan. And it's like, it's sad to see, but this is just the way our society has progressed and we just haven't, clearly we haven't eradicated like these racial norms uh, in many places. Yet we focus on certain examples constantly and we nitpick on those, but then we tend to overlook every other one,
0: you know? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, my experience at uh, Dubai was uh, when I went to the bookshop and I saw some of D.D.D.A.T.'s uh, works were there. And the guy looked at me, I reckon, I said, Yeah, I'm South African. And I said, By the way, I was uh, this man's editor. He said, Nah, you liar. Mm-hmm. Like that, he told me. He said, Me liar. So uh, he, he had uh, at that time the phone number of Yusuf Didat And he phoned him, uh, Yusuf Didat And he the next moment, you know what? He said, You come home tonight. I'll get the limousine and all this. I said, no, no, I'm, I'm on a transit flight. I'm flying here on a humanitarian aid and all. But this, it, that was it. It opened the whole of Dubai for me just because, you know, I got to know I was the that's editor and they'll do this for me, that. But alhamdulillah, you know, this is how it is. It's the contacts and, the, you know, the people that 100%. you know.
1: It takes a certain level of status or contacts or money to get you in any room. And I mean, like that, I think that is uh Evident everywhere in the world, wherever you go, irrespective of who you are. If you have the right
0: context, status or claim to fame, then you will be fine. And today, you can't lie, eh? because it's a global village. Instantaneously. Yeah, you need to catch
1: a liar out on the internet.
0: <laughs> Just like that, you've got the guy. Now, you know, we got uh, some uh, topics to discuss, and uh, let's start off with our first one. How has, uh, you know, airline traffic in Africa uh, been recovering uh, post-COVID-19? And why is South African... Oh, you know, Southern African uh, uh, lagging behind. Now, the South African airways, uh, we're talking about Southern Africa and so forth. But, uh, uh, you know, when you look at our guys, they're not up to speed with anything, uh, Mohamed Aya. Yeah? yeah, and I mean, that seems
1: to be a recurring pattern. But I mean, look, post-COVID, uh, uh, airline traffic in Africa has been experiencing a rapid recovery, right? Many countries are seeing significant growth. But uh, South Africa has been lagging behind. So the main reason is probably it's it's this long-standing structural uh, and profitability challenges that we face uh, in our airline industry specifically, right? Uh, as a major economy, it has affected us and it's led to a decline in our international uh, airline uh, traffic. But uh, I think there are winners and there are losers. So like we've seen clearly with regards to South African Airways and Mango, the absolute demise, Kulula. And then you've got... Uh, an airline like fly who has honestly won the lottery with regards to uh uh the airline traffic airline, in the industry in this country i mean i've i've interviewed the uh the c uh, the c uh, o o of uh a couple of times and he's a really nice guy, but like they have had a tremendous growth and they have expanded so uh exponentially in the last uh, year i would say. They've now uh, expanded their route to Mauritius and now Zanzibar, and they're looking for more routes into Central Africa. They've also uh, taken on, because of uh, Mango and Kulula essentially just uh, liquidating, they've also uh, grabbed a much larger share of the market now. So you have your winners, you have your losers, but when it comes to our state-owned entities like SAA, they only seem to follow one, uh, one direction, which is downhill. To squalor.
0: (laughs) Yeah, squalor, but you know, by the way, SAFE is an offshoot of SAA. It was uh, most of those uh, planes that uh, SAFE is flying happens to come from uh, the old SAA fleet, uh, Muhammad Ayaz.
1: Right, but I mean, I don't think uh, the SAA has any ownership in uh, SAFE. So maybe they bought the inventory, but I don't think there's an ownership. I mean, well, not as far as
0: I know, but I could be wrong. No, no. No, no, you know how it is. I mean, that is uh, if you're going, the mafias will come and check you out for that. So you <laughs> don't you don't you don't have to get into that. And, you know, what are the factors contributing to South Africa's uh, you know, decline in international arrivals and uh, maybe the airline traffic? So look,
1: there's uh, several factors, right? One significant factor is the, uh, the attempt to stifle competition, which has limited the growth uh, and the connectivity of airlines. Like additionally, there's challenges such as the high operational costs, uh, regulatory barriers, uh, limited airline capacity. There's like many things, but also I think COVID, uh, the the way that South Africa was framed during the entire pandemic, was unfair. But we were very, also skewed in a negative light. And I think that narrative uh played a large part in it. I mean, we were on red lists for a long time. And then also with the discovery of the the, the most recent variant, or the last variant a couple of months ago, uh, was discovered by South Africa. And even though we were actually informing the world, not uh in any way making us guilty of it, we were just we just had the knowledge to inform the world, we were actually uh berated for it. So it's a lot of it has got to do with the narrative. That we experience uh, specifically from the West, you know, because at the end of the day, their propaganda machine is like no other. It's very hard to compete with that, even if the truth is on your side.
0: Now, absolutely. And uh, yeah, you look at the Qatari airlines are making billions and billions of dollars in profits. But uh, moving on, how are other African countries are thriving in terms of uh, a, you know, airline traffic and connectivity? Mahmoud Look,
1: a lot of these other African countries have actually embraced the competition, unlike us, where we are pushing our prices higher and higher, making it uh, almost impossible to fly domestically. These uh, other companies have actually stepped up to the plate, and they've embraced the competitive uh, nature of the industry. They've taken steps to open up their skies. They've allowed for a much uh, uh, greater increase in connectivity, uh, nations like Nigeria, Ethiopia, Egypt, Morocco, they've experienced substantial growth in uh, passenger traffic and seat capacity. And this has genuinely positively impacted their uh, economies and their tourism sectors, sectors. Because I feel like Africa is also now pushing uh, their the tourism sectors a lot harder than they were before. Whereas before, Africa was considered as a, a mine. <laughs> I would like to see like a mine, like a <laughs> source of materials. And now, Uh, these leaders are are, are smartening up and they are now pushing their tourism because at the end of the day everything that's available in the rest of the world is available in Africa but with the currency you're just getting the same holiday for a lot cheaper.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with the There's so much to even visit around in our beautiful country of South Africa. Now, what are the challenges faced by South African Airways in terms of uh, international routes and uh, competition? So one of
1: the major challenges is this... uh it, it, it failed to take up this allocation of this bilateral air services agreement. This has created a situation where international airlines are flying at their maximum permitted levels, while South African Airways is unable to service international routes due to a lack of planes, limited capacity. They also face uh, competition from international carriers because at the end of the day, there are tons of international carriers that fly to South Africa. And this has impacted our market share and our ability to participate fully in this international connectivity. Because at the end of the day, if you can take an Emirates flight to South Africa and you're paying half of what you're paying for SAA flight, surely you're going to take the Emirates flight, right?
0: Yeah, Emirati. Yeah. Yeah. Emirati flight.
1: That's the thing. We're just not competitive. And I mean, a lot of that is just due to the the failing of the company where I guess they're trying to recover whatever money they can, but they are they essentially were killing what little business they had left
0: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely they are and they were and they still will be doing that as you said they're playing games with the i mean local travelers i mean they that the price that you pay during uh peak season is just unreal it's a trip that you can go to india two times and come back uh mama yeah hundred percent i agree it's like it's, un- it's unbelievable I must talk to these travel agents saying, don't play games with us. Well, we know it's sardine season here in uh, KZN. We know the sharks have been having a feast here then everywhere. But sharks are also, you know, giving some uh, tourists nightmares. You know, uh, unprovoked shark attacks becoming more frequent in the U.S. And what impact does it have on summer holiday crowds at the beaches, uh, Mohammed Ayaz? So...
1: Uh, startling. This is a startling uh, fact. When I read this article, I was quite shocked, but this is actually true. So uh, unprovoked shark attacks have been reported a lot more frequently in the U.S., particularly to, uh, during the summer holiday season, which is now our winter. Uh, while these incidents are concerning, it's important to note that they're still relatively rare, right? But uh, when such an incident occurs, it can have a huge impact on, like, your crowds and your beaches, your tourists in general, because at the end of the day, even if it was just one uh one uh, occasion, it's gonna obviously create that fear and that uh that that skepticism in your tourists like how are you really going to be comfortable going to the beach knowing that somebody was attacked by a shark a week ago or even a month ago you know what i'm saying it you're always gonna have that doubt, so the fear of shark attacks may discourage beachgoers. And this uh i mean this will have an overall impact on the total uh uh t- tourist economy
0: true we got a lot of sharks here i live near the indian ocean about a minute away and uh, yeah that's about uh, a lot of
1: and so it's even
0: worse yeah we got tiger tiger tooth sharks right here and they call it tiger rocks and that's the name they gave it uh, tiger rocks because of the tiger tooth shark now, you know, what measures are being taken to address the issues of shark attacks and ensure the safety of beachgoers? So there's various measures that have been
1: implemented to address this issue. Uh, local authorities and beach management organizations, they, often, they, like, they started uh, increasing their patrols. Uh, they monitor the coastal waters during peak periods. They also have uh, different types of technologies like drone surveillance, shark detection systems to enhance uh, safety measures. Additionally, uh, there's educational campaigns uh, to raise awareness among goes about shark safety protocols and precautions. So it's important uh, to follow the guidelines, swimming in the designated areas with lifeguards, uh, to minimize your chance. I mean, but you know, a lot of the times people just struggle to follow the rules. But at the end of the day, uh, these these sort of res- uh, rules and precautions are put in place for our safety. So I think in these situations, it's it's rather safe than sorry because this is not something that is like that. If you did, if if you did find yourself in a situation where you come into contact with a shark, I don't think it's a situation that anybody would want to experience. You know.
0: Hmm. You know, I used to play in the puddles, and sometimes I'll see this fin coming. I don't know if you saw <laughs> Jaws, so I'll check it. I so a dolphin? No, no, it can't be a dolphin. That's a shark. And right near, right near, we can virtually see. If I picked up a, a pebble and I threw at it, I could have hit the shark. But this is how, you know, we had these experiences here and uh, we saw them, porpoises, dolphins and all. We must thank Allah for seeing those things. But, you know, we talk about uh, Hermanus and Hermanus makes the uh, headlines for the right reasons because, uh, you know, it's like a tourist destination. Many want to come here. So tell us about the new sightseeing, uh, sightseeing tour in Hermanus and Hermanus uh, what are the highlights of uh, the tour and why is it attracting tourists, uh, Mohamed Ayaz? So look, I, I, I think Hamanas
1: has long been uh, uh, one of our biggest tourist attractions in the country. But this new sightseeing tour in Hamanas it offers fantastic opportunities for tourists to explore and discover this, like the city, right? Uh, this comprehensive day tour takes visitors on a journey to uncover the natural beauty, top attractions. You get the unique highlights of Hamanas all along the world's most breathtaking routes Uh, the highlights include the panoramic views walker bay a live guided tour in english free wi-fi on board scenic coastal drives uh for for the let's just leave that next one out uh there's boat based whale watching uh you've got leisure time to explore the town uh to shop and you know just do your own thing uh it's been attracting tourists for decades, and I just think that they are upping the ante now, and they also like just pushing further, but they also are improving the overall uh, quality of the tours, so they are appealing to a more uh you i would say european market yeah
0: yeah, mostly for them, I know you're very sharp there you edited that article and you deleted. Allah bless you for that, purely <laughs> a musulman young lad this yeah Musulman he did the right thing there now you know we know South Africa, as I said earlier on our program. What a beautiful place and a lovely place to even visit. Some of us that haven't visited our own country. And, you know, perhaps you can talk about which are the six affordable destinations where, you know, South African travelers can get value for the rand. Uh, Muhammad Ayat? Okay, so
1: the South African travelers, uh, you can consider these uh, affordable destinations. We've got Iceland, Japan, Hungary, Indonesia, Sri Lanka, and Argentina. So these destinations they offer a combination of unique experiences, cultural richness, natural beauty, affordable options for accommodation, food, and activities, and you can make the most of your budget and you can still have an incredible uh, adventure. That's also going to be different, you know, because um, when there's rich cultural heritage and uh, like diversity, it it makes for a more just all-encompassing experience. I feel I think that. it depends on the person, but I feel like a lot of people uh, prefer that sort of uh, resort type of holiday. You know, that like Mauritius resort type of holiday. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's a it's a great holiday. But for me personally, I love exploring new places, new things, new cultures. Uh, I like to be a little bit out of my comfort zone.
0: When you talk about Mauritius, our very own uh, Mufti a.k. Hussein. hey, he did scuba diving there in Mauritius. He went right under and looked at the coral reef, and what a beautiful sight indeed! Well, everyone is talking about, hey, where's the lowest? Where's the lowest international fees? Uh, you know, air fares and so forth. So, is it true that a travel start offers the lowest international air fares, uh, Muhammad Ayaz?
1: So, look, <coughs> according to this, you can make uh, your most to your visit to these affordable destinations and save money with like a few tips, but like. Just, I don't know uh, how how we feel about necessarily pushing a one company in particular. But look, based on the, what I've read, they offer some great deals. So they consistently offer some of the lowest international airfares. They've maintained their competitive prices, and they consistently will negotiate the best deals. And they've got a a, a good standing, a longstanding relationship with many uh, providers worldwide, so they can negotiate the deals to get you the best deal possible uh yeah look i think at the end of the day anybody who's traveled fairly uh extensively has their go-to or their 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 person you know what i'm saying but if you're somebody who is looking and you don't ha- necessarily have that person or that experience then i think travel start would be a good place to start
0: <laughs> well you heard that yeah them, get them on, to. And uh, perhaps, you know, uh, you see the time. We're running out of time. We've got about two minutes to go before we end the uh, the, the segment. Uh, what tips and advice uh, can you give to travelers uh, regarding booking flights and finding the best deals in the current market, so uh, yeah. Okay, there's lots of tips. But look, when it comes to booking flights and finding the best deals in the market, there's several
1: tips, right? So first, uh, flexibility is key. You have to try to be flexible with your travel dates and destinations, and prices are uh, can significantly depend on the time of the year and the demand it's often like beneficial to book your flights well in advance to secure the lowest possible fares right uh, secondly comparison shopping is crucial you need to take the time to compare prices across different airlines and uh, online travel agencies websites like TravelStart, start flight center vitality ebox travel uh, all of these can provide good starting points for comparing prices Remember to consider the total cost, including the additional fees so additional charges uh, to get a clear picture of the best deal. Because a lot of the times there are uh, things that are left out that people, you know, tend to overlook. But yeah, look, there's many more. I just don't know how much time we have for me to go
0: through all of them. No, no, good. I mean, I think you gave us a, quite a good tip there indeed. And, uh, you know, perhaps one more tip and then your parting words, uh, Muhammad Ayaz.
1: Yeah, I think you you need to sign up for these uh, fair alerts and newsletters. Many travel websites uh, and airlines offer email subscriptions. So they'll notify you of special deals and promotions that usually last for just like an hour or 24 hours where you will get a massively discounted price that you would never be aware of if you weren't subscribed. So a lot of times we tend to just avoid these things because we feel like it's spam. But at the end of the day, spam can go to your spam folder. You know what I'm saying? Do it if it's going to save you... 70% 70% of
0: your Eiffel, then I think it's worth uh, the hassle. No, absolutely. And Alhamdulillah, really great chat with you uh, this evening. Allah keep you. Allah bless you. And you know, you're there for us. And uh, you know, inshallah, this will add uh, to the barakah in your life, uh, Muhammad Ayaz Karim. We will talk to you soon. as alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
1: Wa alaykum as-salam.
0: I'd like to thank Alu for brilliant engineering as usual. Keep it locked on to Marcus Sahaba for brilliant programming and uh, lovely Nasheed interspersed from the team and I. Till we meet you again, we bid you rahmatullahi wa wabarakatuh.